So today we're on the second article in the chapter on perseverance, and it covers that upon which our perseverance depends. Uh, the first article from last week uh, declared the truth or the reality of our perseverance uh, primarily because of who it is that accomplishes that perseverance. So Article 1 and Article 2 uh, are, uh, are very uh, closely related, indeed uh, uh, interconnected. And that is that since God is the one who accomplishes our perseverance, the certainty of it uh, relies or depends upon him. So the article reads as follows. This perseverance of the saints depends not upon their own free will, but upon the immutability of the decree of election flowing from the free and unchangeable love of God the Father upon the efficacy of the merit and intercession of Jesus Christ, the abiding of the Spirit and of the seed of God within them, and the nature of the covenant of grace, from all which ariseth also the certainty and infallibility thereof. Amen. Praise God. So the first uh, first thing he or they say here, first thing our confession says here, uh, is this perseverance of the saints depends not upon their own free will. Uh, and praise God that that is not what our perseverance depends upon, because if it depended upon us or if it depended upon uh, our will, uh, then we would not. Uh, persevere in the faith. We would not uh, grow in holiness. We would not arrive at the end. Uh, if the Lord did not choose us, we would not have chosen him. And if we could lose our salvation, then we would certainly lose uh, our salvation. Uh, and so praise God that uh, our perseverance depends on all of these uh, wonderful, powerful uh, unchangeable uh, things. Uh, and this is important for you to remember, not just when uh, you are thinking about theology in the abstract and contemplating uh, whether it's possible to lose salvation. Uh, and the answer is, if it's salvation, it's not possible to lose it uh, because uh, salvation is being saved, not being hypothetically, maybe potentially uh, saved. Uh, and so, uh, not just when you're thinking hypothetically, but when you yourself are finding that there is not within you uh, what is necessary for perseverance in the faith. Uh, when you feel either like giving up or like you have been defeated uh, to know uh, upon what your perseverance depends. Uh, so this is a very pastoral uh, article, although it does uh, answer errors of the papists. Again, if they are uh, selling you grace, then they are very financially incentivized uh, uh, to scare you that 
what God has started might not be finished unless you pay the church uh, to help it along. Uh, and the Arminians who are afraid that uh, Christians aren't going to be holy if they have confidence that no matter what, they are going to uh, end up in eternal glory, which of course is connected to their error on how you come to be a Christian in the first place. Uh, because if God has uh, brought you to faith in his Son and united you to his Son and dwelt you by his Spirit, and your Christianity comes from union with Christ, uh, then it is, as we saw last week, confidence uh, from all those things that drives holiness, not uh, fear that you might not make it. Uh, no, he is pursuing holiness in us because that is what he has secured for us and what he has secured us for, and we pursue it then uh, by the work that he does in the heart. Uh, but the perseverance of the saints depends not upon their own free will, but upon the immutability of the decree of election, flowing from the free and unchangeable love of God the Father. Now, we've had this several times in our Romans preaching, and nowhere more plainly than those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, and those whom he predestined, he also called. Now, the reason you end up there in Romans 8.29 is because everyone's favorite Bible verse, or one of the favorite Bible verses of almost every Christian, Romans 8.28, uh, refers to the fruit of that calling work, our love for God. We know that all things work together for those who love God. Uh, this is not saying that you earn for things to work together for you because you love him. It's saying, if God has already brought you to the point where you love him, then certainly he will bring you to the point where you have him in fullness of experience and enjoyment. And that is the good that all things are working together too. And the reason you came to the point of loving him already is because he called you. And the reason he called you is because he predestined you. And the reason he predestined you is because he knew you, not knew about you, not cheated by looking forward into hypothetical futures to see what you could end up being, but he knew you in his son. He knows his son, he loves his son, his fellowship with his son uh, from all eternity, and he knows us in his son. He loves us in his son. He desires fellowship with us that he is bringing us into. And it is that those whom he foreknew, that is what drives predestination. And the predestination is to be conformed to the image of his son, to be brought into that glory of knowing and being known by God, enjoying him and knowing that he uh, delights in us. And that predestination produces the call. So it's being, tra it's being traced uh, backwards here, the, the perseverance of the saints depends upon the immutability. Not just unchangingness, that it doesn't change, but unchangeableness, that it cannot change. It is from within God. Uh, just as later he's, he's going to say, nothing can separate us from 
the love of God that is in Christ Jesus in Romans 8, uh, the, one of the main points there is that which had no, that it cannot have an end because it did not have a beginning. It is from within God, from outside of time, from eternity. Nothing that God has decided, nothing that the Creator has decided can be undone by the creature. Nothing that is true from eternity um, and therefore did not have a beginning uh, can be brought to an end. And so the perseverance of the saints depends upon the unchangeableness of the decree of election, uh, which flows from the free and unchangeable love of God the Father. Uh, so let's look at uh, Jeremiah 30 uh, and 31 and 2 Timothy 2. Jeremiah 30, and I'm just grabbing from the uh, end of chapter 30 to lead into uh, to lead into chapter 31. Here, Israel is being punished uh, for their sin. Uh, they're being exiled to Babylon, uh, and yet their uh, ultimate salvation is sure. Uh, and we've been uh, reckoning with who that Israel is, whose ultimate salvation uh, is sure. Uh, we've been reckoning with that in Romans 9 through 11 in the midweek meetings for a couple of months now. But God gives, even in the history of Israel as a church, a picture of that certainty. That they, having forfeited all of this, and, uh, and if it depends upon them, they would be destroyed. Uh, and yet, God uh, is the one upon whom it depends. So, uh, verse 24 of chapter 30, The fierce anger of Yahweh will not return until he has done it, and until he has performed the intents of his heart. In the latter days, you will consider it. At the same time, says Yahweh, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. You see, there is this declaration, this determination, um, there, there, this de declaration that is what determines what's going to happen to Israel. Thus says Yahweh, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness, Israel, when I went to give him rest. Yahweh has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Again, I will build you and you shall be rebuilt. O virgin of Israel, you shall again be adorned with your tambourines. O virgin of Israel, you shall again be adorned with your tambourines. You shall go forth in the dances uh, of those who rejoice. So again, this eternal determination, not just to love elect believers who must therefore persevere, but even his decree from before the world began uh, to love Israel as a people, uh, to set them apart for the place that they would have 
uh, in the history of his uh, of his work in the church, his work of redemption, uh, that they would be that natural tree that we have been uh, hearing about in uh, Romans 11 these last few weeks, whose root is not Abraham or Jacob, but whose root is Jesus. Uh, and uh, and the unchangeableness then of God's decree. And if this is uh, if God's decree about Israel uh, as uh, a people who are precious to him as the ones through whom he would bring his worship, through whom he would preserve his word, through whom his son would enter the world uh, to be our redeemer, how much more then uh, does this apply to those who are elected in Christ for everlasting salvation? It depends uh, upon the decree uh, of God, the immutability of the decree of God uh, coming from his election. So he elects, he foreknows, he loves ahead of time, and then he decrees to save and to finish that salvation uh, consistently with his election and therefore, it, uh, it shall be completed. Uh, the other text in this section is 2 Timothy 2, verses 16 through 19. And again, sorry, I forgot to put on the sheets the, um, the particular proof text. If you have uh, one of these, uh, you'll find it there, but I have expanded the context in many places for our help. And here, uh, Paul is telling Timothy to dis to persevere, warning him uh, about those uh, who do not persevere. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who having strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, sorry, who have strayed according to the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal the Lord knows who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So how will it be that Timothy won't be a false teacher like Hymenaeus or Philetus? Upon what does that ultimately depend? Well, he's, he's commanded to watch out for uh, uh, for speculative uh, and false uh, teaching, the ideas of men, uh, verse 16. And he, and he is commanded, uh, along with all the rest of us, uh, who name the name of the Lord, uh, in verse 19, to depart from iniquity. But upon what it depends is the Lord knows who are his. And again, this isn't the Lord has figured out, but the Lord has entered into relationship with. The Lord has set his love upon. 
Uh, it's the same sort of language as those whom he foreknew. Uh, and this is a great comfort to, to, for Timothy uh, as he looks to Christ and knows that uh, his own faith and now his, uh, his continuing faithfulness come uh, from Christ. Uh, but it's also a comfort when people like Hymenaeus and Philetus stray concerning the truth. It's a comfort to him when people uh, like the, the unnamed some in verse 18 uh, have their supposed faith overthrown. Many of us have had the experience, and if the Lord keeps you in his world and in his church long enough, you'll have the experience of seeing someone who really seemed to be a genuine believer uh, just throw it all away, walk away from the faith, decide it's not for them, and live uh, for themselves or according to their own ideas. Many claim to continue to remain within the church, but they take up the language and the, the thoughts and ideas of the world. Uh, they, this happens especially around uh, the issue of perversion in our own day, uh, and you hear homosexuality or uh, LGBTQ uh, kids, you don't need to know anything about that. Uh, it's perversion. It's a corrupting, crookedness, filth uh, of uh, distorting and destroying things that God has designed for good by disobeying his commandments. But one of the things that happens in the church and one of the things that... Uh, that you will discover is that those whom you thought were really strong believers, uh, some of them will at some point decide that they're going to that they're going to uh, be friendly to those ideas, and they're going to say that if if you believe what the Bible teaches about marriage, what the Bible teaches in the seventh commandment, and what it requires and what it forbids, uh, that. Uh, that you are mean-spirited and hateful uh, and you are distorting God and you'll hear those things and you wonder, how could this happen? How could this happen to people who were brought up being taught the Bible and taught good theology? Well, it happens because they were not actually saved. Those who are his, those who are actually the Lord's, came to be his by the Lord's knowledge, by the Lord's election, by uh, the Lord's love. So if you want to make your calling and election sure, then you depart from iniquity. You add to your faith all of these things that, uh, that Peter uh, tells us about. Uh, but of course, those things are only done also by the grace of God. Uh, so the perseverance of saint, the saints does not depend uh, upon their own free will. Uh, it depends upon uh, God's uh, love, uh, election, and decree. In the second place, it depends upon... Yes, Dave? So what would you say about Alice and May? I would say I don't know him, but he is now teaching falsely and 
many many who care about him have tried to help him and he uh, he doubled down uh, on his false position and he doesn't have the benefit of Christ's form of church government in which you're under the authority of a plurality of elders both in the local church and then uh, in the broader court in the presbytery uh, so there's not for him the sort of help and accountability that he might have had if he was a Presbyterian. And um, Alistair Begg uh, encouraged, supposedly, uh, let me back up, and Alistair Begg says that he encouraged uh, a grandma in his congregation to attend the LGBTQ uh, wedding of her grandchild and to bring a gift. Um, so he doesn't know, or at least in, in that particular circumstance, doesn't know what love is, uh, doesn't know, uh, you know, love is not uh, committing to commit mortal sin against one another uh, for the rest of your life. Uh, marriage is a covenant. It's a divinely instituted covenant, all those things. Uh, but he, he would be an example of someone who really taught soundly, and he may be converted, and those things that he taught that were sound uh, do not lose their soundness uh, now because they never depended upon who was saying it. Uh, they depended on the fact that they were actually from the text, uh, actually from, uh, from the scripture. Uh, but one of the things that uh, that this doctrine of perseverance um, helps us with is that uh, when we are disappointed or concerned for someone, uh, we are, A, not taken entirely by surprise because uh, the Lord told us that it would happen, but B, we know to whom to look. Uh, and this... Yeah, it's a lot more, I think it's a lot more difficult when it's someone close to us. Uh, Alistair Begg is not particularly close to me. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to get into <laughs> uh, any more uh, specific examples um, than that. Uh but our hope is that they who are uh, who are cut out uh, of the church because they were not uh, they were not grafted into Christ that they can still be regrafted and that the God who in His goodness is uh, is to this day bringing those who are from outside of His church in and grafting them into Christ by faith that he will continue to do so uh, with those who have been in it. Uh, and that's a plug for this past uh, Wednesday's midweek sermon, uh, by the way, that which applies to unbelieving Israelites also uh, applies to uh, apostatized uh, covenant children, uh, apostatized covenant adults, um, which sadly there are too many of. Uh, yes, Jeff? Probably you 
mentioned a minute ago, and I just think in the context it needs to be reinforced that the only way you can lose the faith is if you never had it. Absolutely. So, just like the word saved doesn't always mean the efficacious salvation to eternity, faith here doesn't need to be understood as being saving faith. It, it can be fidelity. It could be assurance to whatever these people had that they lost. It cannot be saving faith. Yeah, the the word faith actually has that breadth of um, that range in its meaning, uh, but I think here it's uh, it's even easier just to say it's profession of faith. Right. Right. They professed to believe, and now they no longer profess to believe. But it's not talking about that gift of grace in the heart where they are brought to rest upon uh, Christ as he is offered to them in the gospel. Um, next week, we are gonna, uh, we are gonna start the breakfast line at 10 minutes to and I'm starting uh, teaching at 10 after. Um, where is Ben? Did he? Are you going to be here two weeks from now? Is that? Okay. All right. So we will not start the next book uh, until three weeks from today uh, since, ben is, uh, uh, since Ben is teaching that. All right. Let's uh, conclude in prayer. Our gracious God and our Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd protect us from doctrine that makes too much of ourselves and too little of you. Uh, as if you could start a work that we could undo. Uh, forgive us, Lord, for how um, how such uh, implications or inferences belong often even to our own discouragements about ourselves uh, and others, but grant to us instead to see your goodness as the one who saves over against our inability and our original nature. And we pray that you would give us to rest upon you and to persevere with you uh, by your own grace in Christ applied to us by your spirit. Uh, we thank you that when you intend uh, to give yourself to us as uh, our reward, that you then accomplish and apply everything necessary to bring us at last to have the full experience of you and enjoyment of you as our reward. And we pray, Lord, as we go now to taste of that uh, in the public worship generally and to hear of it in the preaching specifically, that your spirit would help us according to your everlasting love uh, with which you have loved us and your uh, eternal intention and decree. Uh, how invigorating it is to us, O oh God. Uh, to live day by day uh, 
those days which you wrote for us in your book before one of them came to be. And so we look to you and depend upon you and delight upon you, uh, delight in you as we seek to live out the rest of this one of those days, even your day. Help us in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.